0: You're listening to the Horsefest podcast with the founders of Horsefest.
1: I'm Thea. And hello, this is Heidi. Each podcast is dedicated to you and your passion for everything horse. We'll be speaking to elite riders, equestrian experts, and special
0: guests, all focused on bringing you inspiration, insights, and learning in a way that our horse tribe will enjoy. So today we're joined by an award-winning master farrier, Mark Jerram, who coincidentally lives just around the corner from the home of Horsefest Western Park on the Shropshire Stroke Staffordshire borders. I think we need to fight you for which, which of the counties you're in versus, uh, versus <laughs> we're in, don't we? So Mark, welcome to the Horsefest podcast.
2: Well, thank you both very much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Oh, it's a delight to have you. And it's a shame that this is in a way, not visual, because you've had a week off. So, but you've got a lovely tan of feeling very relaxed right now.
2: Yes, I mean it's been it's, it's been a nice week off. But of course, it's always very hard going in the heat, shoeing horses, working with hot steel. You know, a horse to get hot, and before we know it, flies will be on our doorstep. And yeah, it's a challenging time of year, but still, you know, it's, it's the busiest time of year when everybody's doing plenty of the horses.
0: Yeah, lots of worn shoes at the moment. are all getting out there. That's um, it. Well, talking of horses. Like all of our guests so far on the on the podcast, horses have been a big part of your life for a very long time. So um, tell us and our audience, first of all, how you first became involved in horses.
2: Well, I, I, I've been involved in horses since the day I was born, effectively. My mum and dad both had horses. Uh, my dad was, in fact, a rodeo rider back in the 60s. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's something we're not going to get in this country again. Um and my mum used to show jump to you know to a good level um a fair few years ago now. Um so I've always been involved with horses and I've had pony, you know, pony since I was a child. I started doing a bit more competing when I was about, you know, 13, 14 into mounted games. And they've been part of my life. Now I did stop riding for a few years whilst I was trained to be a farrier. And once I was qualified and had a bit more time to apply myself to to riding again, I started back up again. So it's just a matter of sometimes in life you have to put one thing to a side to do another. And uh yeah, once once I was uh, once I was working on my own business, I could uh have my own horses again and went down a different route then of, you know, just doing a, a bit of a bit of hunting, um and a little bit of carriage driving as well. So just to vary things up a little bit really.
1: Oh, brilliant yeah i think a lot of people take a break from riding at some point in their life don't they i i've had probably about 12 years off while my kids were small i can't believe i did now um and then came back to it about 3 years ago um but it's, it's always a good sport to come back to isn't it you can just pick it up like riding a bike so oh absolutely yeah. absolutely and yeah.
2: the the years you have uh, with ponies as, as as a child you know they're more than a makeup for it because you you know once you learn from a young age it stays with you for the rest of your life you know and it it's, it's always a massive advantage if you can start young I think it you, is. yeah personally
1: absolutely it is it is so you said at the moment you're you're doing a bit of hunting and carriage driving so tell us a bit more about what you're doing with the horses it sounds really interesting
2: yeah I mean the carriage driving aspect is is fairly low level really I just go around the lanes with my dad and his and his cob really you know we have a bit of, fun, bit of fun you know on the weekend yeah we're both busy people so if we can have a bit of a bit of time to ourselves and just chill out and just take things a little bit slowly and that, that's that's good you know and we, we enjoy doing that together uh, side of things I like uh, I I do a fair bit of hunting. So I don't do as much as I used to now uh, now I've got two young daughters but um, yeah you know just again, just again I'll just do that just a, a bit of a chill out thing on a busy week you know just go and jump go and jump a few fences scare themselves to death and you know, have a couple of drinks as well <laughs> But you yeah. know, I I don't really do any competitive riding. Um, I've done a little, I've dabbled a little bit into that, but I, I prefer just to just have horses for pleasure and just and just for chilling out with really. Yeah,
0: yeah. just for the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What What's your hunter like then? I want name. We want sex. Uh, we want height. We want color.
2: Yeah, my, my hunt is a sixteen-two, um, part Irish draft, part of drum horse. Called Maisie. Um and, and a big a big grey horse. And she interested me when I first had her. I mean I, I got her as, as an eight year old and she'd only just been broken in and she'd had four folds before she was broken in. And I um I I slightly backed and she hadn't Jumped a fence before in her life. She she, she came quite good at jumping out of fields, and that's still a, <laughs> you know, a that's still an ongoing problem, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Um, <yeah. laughs> but uh, when I first took her over a fence, she just cantered over without making a shape, and I thought, well, I'm not really sure what's going to happen here with this horse. But to be honest with you, she's been she's been the best horse I've ever had, and I've had some great times with her. Um, she's you know a great you know brave horse. You know I could put her any fence. And, yeah, I've had some, some really, really good years with that and hopefully a few more as well.
1: Oh, that sounds fantastic. Macy sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and you, see I said, you live pretty much next door to Western Park, don't you? Yeah. I, that must be amazing. Um, yeah. Do you ever get the chance to ride or drive through there?
2: Yeah, I, I've, um, I've ridden a few times through Western Park, um, but I do, do a, in the summertime, an RDA fun ride through there. Um, oh, wow. And that's, that's held on, on a weekday evening. And it's a four mile ride, so it's great if you've been at work all day. You can just, you know, for anybody who's been at work all day, if you can take the horse there and go around, go around the fun ride the four mile fun ride. And in fact, you can go around twice if, if you want to. Yeah. Um, so it works really well. It's a real busy fun ride. So I've done that a couple of times. And also, um, I can remember a few years ago, the the local hunt got asked to go and dress up and, and, and turn out if a hunt meeting was taking place at Western Park because there was an American film company coming across and they went to choose a location for a period drama. Ah, so yeah. um, we all got to, you know, dress up and go around Western Park uh, like, as a hunt because it, it doesn't go through there anyway. And we got a nice, nice photo of us all in front of a hall. Some of the ladies were inside, Saddle. They were all immaculately turned out. And if you ever wanted a, an Instagram photo, that was a place to do it because we was all... <laughs> lined up in front of the hall. He looked magnificent. And so that's another time I rode through Western Park. So they're they're, they're the two times that I've um, I've ridden there. They do, um, of course, you know, it's a busy horse place there. They do have the the, the event in there, uh, the Mm three-day event in, one-day event in. And um, they used to have point-to-points there back in the day. Um, and I think there's been talk recently of, of been you know, carriage driving there, like carriage driving trials. But I think, you know, I think the, the pandemic and everything else in life has sort of slowed that down a bit. But, you know, it's quite, it's quite a horsey sort of park, really.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Isn't it? This, yeah. this long history... Um, I've been connected with the Christian world as well as being absolutely stunning. So you're very fortunate to have have ridden in there. It's on our list, isn't it, Heidi? uh... It is indeed. (laughs) We'll we'll go and do a site visit next on horseback, I think, would be quite nice. Might take us a while to get there. Might have to drive there, though. (laughs) So um, so on to your work now. Now you've been training or working in Ferry for um, almost 20 years now, and you're qualified as a with a specialist in remedial farrier. Tell us a bit more about your career journey. How did you decide this was for you? How did it go? Okay,
2: so it's quite a long career journey, really. I mean, I started out effectively when I was 14. I, um, when you're at school, you get to do a week's work experience. And I chose to go with a farrier because I've always wanted to work with horses and have a career uh, from a young age. So I went with a local farrier for a week, During uh, this sort of time of year, I think it was, you know, a real busy summer time of year. And I had an absolutely fantastic week with him. And I I ended up working Saturdays and school holidays with him. And, you know, of course, not a lot you can do when you're, you know, a a school child, but you can, you know, know, rasp up shoes, get everything set up, start to learn about handling different horses and everything else. And he had a really good experience. And I'm really grateful to to the man, Chris Eastman, for, you know, introducing me to Farrery at a young age. And then, um, as a consequence, when I, finished my GCSEs the day after I started my apprenticeship, um, with another local farrier who was a friend of his. Um, and then I graduated in 2006 following a four, four year, two month apprenticeship Mm -hmm. where you you have to go to college every six months for about two or three weeks at a time to learn the theory side of things. And you get assessed in your practical aspects as well. And at the end of those, uh, end of those four now, four, four years, two months, we did the Diploma of a Worship Company of Farries exam, um, which where I passed down uh, and, and graduated in 2006. And I decided I wanted to go abroad after that to further my life, life experiences and also my, my Ferry experiences. So I worked part-time for about a year, saving up a bit of money. And then 2007, towards the end of that, I went to live in New Zealand, for uh, oh. a few months, oh, but brilliant! So we got to see a different aspect of of how horses are kept. I half went over there with the idea of maybe staying there, but of, of, you know, in the end, decided to come back after about six months. But it's a real, a real great journey, and I, I recommend it to, uh, to any young farriers out there listening, or or anybody who has the opportunity to go and work abroad to do it before. You yeah, the, you know, commitments of mortgages, families, and careers, yeah. you know. <laughs> if you, if it's the only time of year you can do it, you know, time of your life when you can do it. And, yeah, yeah it's an absolutely fantastic experience. It kept very differently to have are in the UK. A lot of them live out, and a lot of them live out in steep hills. And, you know, it's a it's, it's very different way of life there. Um, it was really great. And, the you know, the, the universal Language of ferry, you know. I was welcomed in by so many ferries all around the country, and they, they took me around and saw the road less traveled, and that's a fantastic way to travel if you can. Mm. Um, and then I arrived back in the country in 2008, and at that point, you know, I was, I, you know, I've I quite quickly got quite busy really with my own work, but I, I decided I want to, you know, there's more to this ferry job than meets the eye, really, and I thought I want to further my knowledge and, and help the horses I, I work with. By expanding my knowledge, so I enrolled on, on the degree course that had just been set up, aimed at Ferrari science that was held at Meiseco College. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I passed that in uh, 2011, the foundation degree. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> along that time, we could also have an opportunity to take what was known as the Associate of the Worship Company of Farriers exam, which is a corrective farrier exam. Um, as part of the course, we get attempt to uh, you know to attempt that. Um, it's a very difficult exam, you know. And if you take the theory and practical aspects of it together, I think there's about a 90% failure rate. over the usual. Good lord, be. really? So it, it, I mean, it's a good thing, but you know, it's, yeah, it's a good thing. It is tough because if you if you achieve it, it is as, you know as it is a success. Um, didn't get there first time round. I ran out a little bit of time uh, in the practical, but then you know, it, like like all things with horses, we're always coming, you know trying to come back from difficulties. And, you know, it's the same as what we do all the time, about, you know, when we're working with horses, we, you know, I dust myself down, got myself, you know, faster and more efficient. And the next time went through it, no, no problem at all with about 15 minutes to spare. So, Brilliant. you know, we, we always have to, you know, sometimes dust ourselves down after these things and they come back stronger. And that's what happened there. And then uh, after that, I continued on to the, uh, the BSc Honours in Faroe Science degree. Yeah. Um, and that was another two year course and I've got to produce a, a dissertation and we looked at static and dynamic asymmetry in 10 unbroken horses. Um, so in, and if you do like pre and pre and post trim video analysis of the, uh, of the horses movements and, and the ferry influence upon that, um, so that's quite a technical thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I passed that in 2014. And recently, I've just completed a um, a two year another degree level. Uh, it's called a graduate diploma in equine locomotor research at the Royal Vet College. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've always been a, a real fan of trying to expand the knowledge and trying to and to trying to learn more. And then, you know, I like to pass it on to the people as well. You know, there's, there's plenty of farriers that you know I, I work alongside and work with and, and, and help out, and we all help each other out. And the horses benefit as a consequence really so it's a life nice yeah. never-ending journey of, of, of learning um but um I'm, I'm always looking for the next challenge and always looking for the next one to to take on that's
1: amazing good. i just did... oh, sorry <laughs> yeah like, i didn't realize that um, until theory i started talking to you know people with our horse fest hats on we we really had no idea quite how scientific barrier is yeah. um and you know how mm-hmm. complex it can be to get things right uh, so yeah, really, really interesting and fabulous that you've, you've you know continued your learning journey. Yeah. It, it's
2: it's never it's never ending learning journey, really. You know, we're always there's always horses to teach us new lessons. um mm. So no, it's 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 a real it's a real fantastic career. I mean, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I get and the people I get to work with and the horses I get to work on.
0: Yeah, and it's um there's a there's a real range of horse owners and horses that you work with. I'm I'm sure and. From everyday riders and equestrians like Hardy and I, through to to some very high level um, competitors, tell us a little bit about the range of, of people and horses that you
2: support. Yeah, I, I mean, from from a discipline and, and um, performance point of view, I work with virtually any uh, discipline really in my practice. Where we're and base is very mixed. The only the only sort of discipline I don't really work with would be polo. Really, there's no there's no polo in this area. Um, I did some paddle horses in New Zealand, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't do any locally, but you know, I mean, today I've, I've, I've been and seen race horses. I've, I've, I've been and seen show jumpers. I've been seen dressage, you know, and I see every day, you know, cases of just things like laminitis and happy hackers a, a real range, really. So a, a huge diverse area, um, of, of, of horses, you know, carriage driving, pacing, You have a a real diverse range in the area. I think if you live somewhere, perhaps like Newmarket, it might be more racing concentrated. Um, Mm. But it makes it quite interesting really, to see a few different different things, really.
1: Yeah, interesting. And I'm sure you've come across some really challenging situations, especially with the remedial work. So what's been the biggest challenge for you in your career so far?
2: Okay, well, there's there's a couple of ways of, of really i think i mean there's the the, the challenge of of the covid pandemic has also you know has has been a a challenge for us all i think none of us in this country really knew what we were going to be dealing with at the start but now Mm. i think after all this time we've got a bit of experience of that so that's that's a a, a unique challenge in itself in terms of um case studies i'd say the biggest challenge i come across is canker which is a rare um what we call infection of a frog which Makes a frog grow like almost like cauliflower-like gross out of it, out itself. It grows huge. Um oh, wow. but It's a real, it's a real bad infection. We all, we all, we all understand what the you know what thrush is in the frog with, our, mm-hmm. with the horses we have. But yeah. this, this is on another level. This smells a lot worse. It smells, it smells almost like roadkill.
1: Oh dear! Um, it's, oh. It, it's,
2: it's, it's disgusting, and it's something really where you need really need a good team. You need a good team of the vet and the horse owner. All working together because you know we can't take this on our own. Mm-hmm. So this uh, the first uh, case of canker I've come across. I mean, the issue with it is we do have to trim it back quite severely to a, to its bleeding to, to its bleeding state because the the blood vessels are in, you know, infused into this new growth. And what you trim back to is what not what you normally trim back to on a frog. You're actually hitting blood vessels, so. You, you, you as a farrier, you definitely want a, a vet stood over the top of you because they worry, they worry far less about blood than we do. Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: I'm sure. So,
2: um, so yeah, I, I had to trim back um, quite heavily this, this canker case. And the, you know, there was a tourniquet applied uh, to a passenger scenario just to reduce the level of blood flow whilst I trimmed that back. And then I applied a shoe with a removable plate so the dressing could be changed daily. And the biggest challenge with canker is really, you know, what's going to work, you know, what application you put on there. Cause each one follows its own path, effectively. Um, I used copper sulfate and vinegar dressed with this. And this is again, you know, speaking to, you know, we're really lucky to be able to contact any sort of farrier in the world, really, without these type of things. I've not come across canker before this case. And I spoke to a farrier up in Scotland, who advised me to use this and we had a great outcome. Um, but with this particular horse, I almost had to treat this horse as if it was my own, because I wanted to. I wanted success with this horse. I wanted to get the first time success. So I think for the first three weeks, I went there every day to change a dressing. I treated the horse as if it was my own. Um, luckily, it's only a few miles down the road from me, so it's convenient enough to do that. Um, and we had a good outcome. The horse made a full recovery, um, so that's really good. I've only come across a couple of the cases since. Uh, and that's again in the whole twenty-one years of my career, um, so it's quite rare. And thank goodness it is rare because it's, it's a it's a horrible condition.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sounds, it does sound absolutely horrific. I think there's a few things that have struck me from that. One is the power of vinegar. It seems to sort most things <laughs> in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, secondly, a lot. And this is a common theme actually from a lot of the experts that that we've spoken to. It seems to be um, a a really heavily developing thought process that you theme, um on a horse and it's, and that you don't work in silos. And I, th- I think, and, and of course, you know, you're in a very extreme circumstance here where you're cutting back to the, to the state where you really do need one over you. But I think that it seems to be a sentiment that that a lot of professionals like yourself have now is, and, and you've reached out as well, haven't you to get different um, ideas and, and think about what could be done here. Um, how often do you, is that something that you know you're into how often do you work with with a team on a oh it's, it's
2: it's it's aspect you know it's, it's, it's a vital aspect to it all you know it's it's, it's only what's going to lead to, to a successful outcome i've got all the local vets in my area uh, their personal numbers i can contact them directly sometimes you have to take the owners out of a situation in some certain cases so we can discuss things you know behind the scenes mm-hmm. um based for the horse's betterment you know and I, I, you know, my personal and I work with uh, physios as well. Um, anybody who can add a benefit to the horse, you know, I'm more than happy to be in, in contact with, and vice versa. You know, we've got a good working relationship with vets and physios. Um, and, you know, the, the horse benefits from it. It's, it. it's a daily thing for me, it happens every day, um, and it's not a rarity. And it, 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 we, yeah, we, all, we, we all benefit from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that yeah, it, it, it's a really strong theme that's coming across from everyone we speak to, that need for holistic care for the horse, for the horse to have the best outcome, as you said. So, yeah, brilliant to hear that you're working like that. Um, and also, we're super excited that you're going to be one of our experts at the Horse Fest Festival in July 2022. And you're going to be running a webinar for us in July this year for our horse tribe so could you give us a couple of highlights that you're going to be talking about and covering in the webinar yes
2: yeah, certainly um the webinar's uh booked into the 15th of july on the evening there for, for anybody who wants to make a note of that in their diary i'm going to be looking at general care and maintenance of your horse's feet um and some tips on how to and how to do that it does differ from summer to winter with different challenges faced at different times of the year um some general like Easy how tos and and treatments of minor conditions as well. I'm going to be presenting um, what to look for uh, in, in a you know in a well-shod foot, uh, in a well-trimmed hoof. How to determine if your farrier is registered and how to look for that. Um, and so yeah, just some of the basics. I want to try and keep it as user-friendly as possible. There's yeah. plenty of complicated stuff I can present to people, but I like to keep it so it, it's easy to understand. That we can all take something from that and use it to the benefit. Of our horses, I think a lot of the a lot of the minor issues in, in horses can be easily eradicated just with simple care and maintenance. You know, we we have to think as well. This time of year, there's a lot of laminitis cases around. So, how to really be honest with yourself with the horse's body weight, uh, and what to look out for with that. Really, so it to be it'd be fairly yeah, it'd be quite user friendly, and hopefully, it'd be lots of people there to see that, and we can have some good Q and A, and you know, hopefully, a lot of people can take some stuff from that.
0: Fantastic. It's uh, been a very common uh, thing as well in our in our webinars. We really encourage people to ask questions, and all of our experts, like you, you're really keen to pass on your knowledge, as you as you said earlier. So the more questions, the better. I think.
2: Absolutely. There's no there's no such thing as a as a you know a stupid question. There's no such thing. You know what I mean? So always ask away.
0: Fantastic. Perfect. Um, back to horses uh now um and your personal memorable horsey moments what has been the most memorable horsey moment so far whether either as a horse owner yourself or from a career point of view
2: from a a, my own horse's point of view I probably peaked quite a bit early really because when I was doing mounty games as a teenager I I won absolutely tons you know (laughs) I've seen tons of trophies and, and rosettes and the competitive side sort of left me a little bit. I did do the Interhunt relay a few years ago at Burrharton show and that was a that was a fantastic occasion um, really grateful to be part of the team and we I think we placed third so that was that was really good fun that sounds um, fun yeah, yeah. so it, 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 that, that was great fun and, and in terms of what my clients achieve it's it's always good to see everybody go out and enjoy the horses you know regardless of the result as long as they're enjoying them because that's what we work hard for. It's always great to see good results in the competitive sides, but also it's great if you can take a laminitic that has been extremely ill and they're back riding and enjoying themselves out in the sun, hacking out, you know, that's just just as much joy for me. I treat every horse as equal. They're all everybody's priceless, you know, possessions. Um, mm. so you know, that's it's always good to see people enjoy them, really. So that that's 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 my perspective. It has to yeah. be fun.
1: Oh, totally. Well, that that's definitely what we're all about with our horses. And um, yeah, and you can the passion that you've got for them really comes across. It's it's really great to hear. Um now we always ask everybody that comes on our, our podcasts to share a funny and hopefully clean um story <laughs> with us. Um so what's your what funny story do you have that you could share as me your time as a farrier? No need to name names.
2: Well, <laughs> this this is this is going to be a tough one because as you can imagine, the variety of characters I see in my <laughs> travels and the amount of funny instances I come across, and probably would be quite a lot that probably wouldn't be broadcastable on here. <laughs> um, Definitely not. <laughs> I can I can give you a, a story of one. If, if it won't be clean in a sense. we uh, will see why you come to the end of it. But the <laughs> drunk, drunk clients, they're, they're always an interesting oh. one to go to when you turn to <laughs> them into this, this a drunk.
0: fascinating.
2: But this one from a couple of years ago was a, an, an older man. I wouldn't say he was old, but he was old enough to have had enough life experiences on what <laughs> to expect and, and how to conduct himself. Um, I went there on a Friday afternoon. You can imagine a scene, the busiest time of year in the, in the summer, um, you know, on a Friday afternoon, plenty to get done. And I go and trim his pony, which is done every four weeks, They're a little amnestic uh, miniature. So, any tiny little pony. I'll get there in the afternoon and I he, uh, start trimming away. He starts telling me about how, how rough he feels because he had a little bit too much to drink last night. He got a little bit carried away. So, I was really t- doing take much mo- notice of that. And uh, I was trimming away, got to the second thought, it was trimming away there. And then he he passes out and collapses. Oh. Um, so naturally, as, <laughs> as, as, as all horse people do when there's an instance you know, involving a person and, and, a, and a horse, I've grabbed a pony straight away.
0: Oh, made yeah. the right. I thought <laughs> it,
2: it'll be all right. And then I'm stood so there holding this miniature spotty pony, looking at this lifeless man on the floor. Oh, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying to him, Are you okay? And I spent five minutes of asking him he's okay. And he keeps saying, Yes, I'm fine. i am just gone really weak. You know, I just need him to lie down. I thought, you know what? This is Friday afternoon. I need to get this pony trimmed, so I tie this pony up and trim the <laughs> pony. Boss, this lifeless man's on the floor. And at one point, he stops, stops moving for quite a while. So I shouted to him, "It's like, are you okay?" And he said, and he responds with, "Mark, did, Mark, did you put me in this position?" I said, "No, no, you put yourself in this position, young man." So then. So then I go, I finish a pony and I put the pony back in his stable. And, you know, I, I, his bed was done for night. Hay was done and ready. So I thought, well, he's he set, set for the night regardless of what happens to this man. So I put him in there. And I thought, I won't be too, too hard on this, on this guy. So I will see this, this like uh, this, this chair hanging up in the barn. I thought, we well, he, he could sit on that so get a bit of fresh air circulate around him, get him around him. I bring it outside, and whilst he's still lying on the floor, he has a raised hand with the money ready to pay me. So naturally, I take his money. And uh, <laughs> I, put, I, put the, I put the chair out, and I say to him, right, do you want a hand in?" up? He's like, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. I said, look, are you sure you're okay? He's like, I'm fine. So <laughs> I go, go to go and book him in for his next appointment, and I hear some heaving.
1: Oh, and no. then
2: I come back, and then you know, naturally, what's happened is he's, he's vomited up last night's drink all over itself. Oh, <laughs> and I just I thought bet he
0: felt better then.
2: I <laughs> thought this was not in the job description. Like no. Like no. So I get, I said to him, Have you got your phone with you? So yes, I've got my phone. If you feel ill, just let me know. So <laughs> I did I did a lap round him in the van on the field. I just, <laughs> this this grey, shivering, sweating man <laughs> couldn't vomit and drive off. And uh, He's he, he, I, we still laugh about it to the day I see him quite often, and I've, I, I, I've, sh- <laughs> I've, I've, shamed, I've shamed him everywhere locally. And now I'm really grateful to come on a national podcast and do it across the country. So, that's pretty-
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, even better, even yeah. better than that, Mark. Um, we've got listeners in 21 countries around the world.
2: Oh, so fantastic! And I can't wait to tell you him yeah. 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 I can't wait to tell him. I've, I've seen, give us a listen.
0: <laughs>
1: oh that's plastic. brilliant I love
0: it that made me giggle <laughs> that, I'm, I'm definitely not trying that with my farrier he's too precious to me <laughs> I'll try not if you're listening I'll try not to get drunk on Friday <laughs> uh, <laughs> or not book you
1: not book the horses yeah absolutely <laughs> one of the two yeah, yeah. well
0: from uh, that absolutely I, I really wasn't expecting that story quite frankly but from no, that story <laughs> Um <laughs> We'd like you to pass on a relatable top tip to our horse drive. So all of our experts, we'd like you to think of something that's um, appropriate for anybody um, to take on and use, really. So what would that be from yourself?
2: OK, a couple of them would like to say, um, just to be greedy. I mean, a relatable top tip for me is every time your farrier comes to visit, go through with them how your horse has been going. Uh, and you know, talk to them about anything you want to talk about prior to any trimming or shoeing taking place. It's very useful information for us because we only get to see the horses for like you know fifty minutes an hour and an hour and fifteen every five six weeks. You see them every day, so if you've been hacking out and you know your horse is slipping, is there any options for that? A horse is stumbling. Um, take any videos of any flat work or any dressage you're doing, or your show jumping rounds. Show them to your farrier, give them as much uh, information as possible. And it really does help our shoeing plan. Uh, And that's something that can be done easily and free of charge as uh, as an owner. And also, just as as a side one, really, just from what I'm seeing at the moment a lot of is just be honest with yourself about horses' weights and be mindful of, you know, sometimes diets are required and, uh, you know, prevention is always better than cure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really
0: fabulous tips. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would never have thought of sharing a video with my farrier, but uh, sorry, Ollie we're, um, yeah. we're gonna be watching some videos now. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I think watch out for your WhatsApp. I've got
0: a bank of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. We we really enjoyed exploring a little bit more about you and and about the profession as well. And like we said, just how scientific and detailed and technical it actually is. Um. So finally, if you could, could you just tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to know more? So. Um, Instagram, yeah, Facebook or, or whatever.
2: Yeah, if you if you put my name into a search engine of Facebook, my, my business page should come up. Um, Mark, put Mark Jerome. there. my website is thefarrier.co.uk, and there may be a link to that as well. And same on Instagram, it's Mark Jerome uh, Farrier on there. So yeah, to take a look, take a look on those. Got some got a whole library of case studies, um, something for everybody there, and and some tips for the basic stuff as well. So uh, so yeah, feel free to to interact with me on there.
1: Brilliant. You must have been quick to get the farrier.co.uk. Oh, I'm it's impressed. a very old,
2: that's about that 13 years old, that one is, yeah.
1: Very good. <laughs> There's a lot of jealous farriers
0: around the planet. For <laughs> well, sale
2: UK, at the right like, price.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's your retirement plan, isn't it? Surely. <laughs> I've got to get a few numbers there. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic to hear more about the person behind the expertise, Mark. We can't wait to see you next july sunny july next year in at uh, horsefester um at western park and also this july the 15th of july for your webinar so thank you very much and goodbye for now thank Thanks you Mark. all the best
2: thank you bye.
0: bye yeah bye thank
1: you for listening to the horse fest
0: podcast we'd love you to subscribe rate and review the podcast and share it with
1: your horse tribe Keep tuning in for more episodes with elite riders, equestrian experts and special guests.